Good morning. Thank you for that interesting introduction, Gino, to the, my husband and father of all my children. Uh, so good morning and welcome. I am so glad that you are here today. I'm so glad that you are here watching. If you are watching online, would you just like drop an emoji, tell us that you're here. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, and we know that also with, you know, kind of in this world that we live in now, some of you are watching because a friend shared our live stream and you're checking us out. And so we love that, we are cool with that. Keep checking us out. And then one day we would love for you to join us here in person. Uh, also, let me just also say that um, that ladies' reception after church today, I am so excited for it. And so I might grab some of you ladies here in the house, and I'm not going to call out your names right now, but I've talked to a few of you, and I've said, please come join us. Uh, and so we'd love for you, even if you just come for five minutes, we would love to meet you so you can join us there. Uh, so let me get started here today. We're in the middle of the sermon series, Start Here. And uh, if you watch any sort of news, or if you pay even like marginal attention to what's going on in the news, you'll know that we have like this job thing, maybe a crisis thing going on right now. According to recent statistics, on average, four million Americans quit their jobs each month in 2022. So let's think about comparison though. Comparing the month of November 2021, to November 2012, the number of resignations increased by 125%. So in 2012, there were roughly 2 million people who quit their jobs in November, and in 21, that number doubled to 4.5 million. Now, the reasons for quitting are pretty varied. We recognize that this is a pandemic type of world now. Uh, the reasons could be low pay or no job advancement opportunities or even the, the child care issue that we see coming up. Uh, so outright quitting is a pretty big deal. Uh, but we're also seeing uh, this conversation about quiet quitting. You know, the term quiet quitting, it became popular when a 20-something engineer posted a TikTok video of himself. And over the video, he talks about how he recently learned about this term called quiet quitting, where you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. Now, there's a lot to be said about quitting. For example, do any of these statements ring a bell, maybe from your past, maybe what you heard in your home, or what you gained in a management class? Like, we don't quit things in this house. Don't be a quitter. Or winners never quit and quitters never win. Or famous quotes on quitting. Maybe you had some of these in um, some offices that you've worked in or even in your bedroom. Lance Armstrong famously said, pain is temporary, quitting is forever. Richard Bach, he said, a professional writer is an amateur who didn't quit. Or once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. That's my man, Vince Lombardi. Or how about some just practical advice about quitting? Like, if you work a job, you should give two weeks notice if you're going to quit. And let me say, as I was Googling quotes about quitting, I was like all about it. Like, I was like inspired to not quit. I sort of had this moment where I was like, yes, never quitting, never give up. Let's take the next hill. Let's persist until we reach our goals. I love that. I get inspired by that sort of thing. And there's a lot of truth to the messages about quitting. For my students who are in here, it's important to stick with some things. 
In general, it's really important to give two weeks notice at a job if you are quitting. We as parents, we use the phrase about not quitting because we have some knowledge about what it looks like and feels like to get to the other side of some things that are initially challenging or hard. But the older I get, the more I'm starting to see that sometimes quitting something can be just as hard as never quitting. Here's what I mean. Sometimes with our eyes so focused on never quitting, we can miss the important element that we have likely picked up some bad habits, some unhealthy ways of being as we've grown into adults. Maybe, just maybe, we need to be quitters sometimes. And so while we're in the midst of a sermon series titled Start Here, I want to turn our attention on the ways we can and maybe should start quitting some things. We've been focused on how the start of a new year, the start of a new calendar gives us an opportunity to reset and start fresh. Gino talked about running our own race and what you have and who you are was meant for you and you alone. You run your race. And the competitor in me recognizes that I need to tag that sermon, listen to it frequently throughout the year, right? Lauren brought us a word last week about stop and abide how we are called to keep our gaze fixed on Jesus. And by reading God's word and praying and listening to the Holy Spirit, we actively choose to stop and abide. And so today, I want to share some thoughts on how we can be quitters, which is quite an interesting face, phrase. Some of you might even be bristling at that. But I wonder if we might allow ourselves to embrace the important practice of quitting in the best possible way. There are some things, some behaviors, that, some ways of being that I want to leave in 2022. Actually, I probably should have left them in 2002, but quitting is hard for me. But I wonder if you too might have some behaviors or thought patterns or ways that you show up that might serve all of us better if they were past qualities and not current ones. And before I get too far into the conversation, I want to actually take a moment to think on this. I want to give you some space to think about this. What are some things that you wish you could quit? And word to the wise, this is not the moment to slip your neighbor a piece of paper about what they should quit. Your roommate or your spouse, they don't need a reminder right now about their tendency to leave the lights on and how that infuriates you. Don't tag someone in the live stream chat so that they listen to this message. This is a moment for you to identify some things that you want to move from the active category to the quit category. And can we just acknowledge that identifying these things can be hard? Maybe it's hard to come up with something because you're here and you're pretty perfect. And I just want to say thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you in our midst. But for others, we can identify that these things can bring on shame and embarrassment. And I want to pause and acknowledge that. I want to give space to that emotion and those feelings. But I also want to encourage you to not slide away from that. When we bring these things to the light, when we name those things, I believe God makes space and he makes a way for us to start quitting. And maybe as you think about it, you are able to see a long list of things that you should quit. Some things you sh should have quit weeks ago, months ago, years ago. And I'd like to propose that one thing we should put on the top of our list of things to quit would be that we need to quit withholding forgiveness. 
And I'm specifically identifying this aspect of quitting something rather than starting something. Now here's the thing, if I frame this as we need to start forgiving, I think that's a good phrase. That's a phrase that works and it's appropriate. But I feel like some of us, and maybe it's just me, but I would tend to give myself a little bit more of a pass. I'd give myself too much credit because I do forgive. I have a pretty solid track record of forgiving when I need to forgive. Listen, Gino and I have some pretty decent arguments and I have to forgive him all the time, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's exhausting sometimes. And sometimes though, because I do forgive a hundred times in a hundred scenarios, I'm prone to give myself a pass when it comes to the one or two times where I withhold forgiveness. I'm framing it this way because withholding forgiveness is something that we have to work at. We have to keep it up. We have to keep our hearts hard. We have to stay mad and stay hurt. And withholding forgiveness means I have to keep replaying the scenarios in my mind until they take up all the space. Because I don't want to forget the nitty gritty details of what that person did to me and how hurt I am and how mad I am and how awful that person is. I have to practice what rebuttal I will say when I see them again. Withholding forgiveness means I have to plan my snarky replies. And when I see her next, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. Or I'm going to adjust my walking route so that I don't see that person that harmed me. Or I'm going to adjust my walking route so that they do see me so that I can show them that I'm ignoring them. It's a lot of work to withhold forgiveness. Now, for me at least, it takes up more space in my brain and in my heart as opposed to forgiveness, which just seems to come in and take up peaceful residence in my life. And frankly, I want to choose peace any day, all day. And the good news is that Jesus knew we would struggle with this act of forgiveness. He knew we would have conflict with each other. He knew we would hurt each other. And he doesn't leave us without answers on what to do. And so we're going to head today to Matthew 18, where we get to have a sneak peek into a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And so today I'll be reading from the NIV version. The words will be up on the screen, or you can join me on your mobile devices. Matthew 18, starting at verse 21 through 35. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold. Now I want to pause here for just a moment. A man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold. Now there's a footnote in the NIV that says, Greek, ten thousand talents. And I just want you to put this in your mind. A talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. 20 years of a day laborer's wage. All right, carrying on, we're going to go to verse 25. It says, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Pausing here. Another footnote. 
It says in the Greek, a hundred denarii. A denarius was the usual daily wage of a day laborer. So there's a difference in the debt. We have the daily wage of a day laborer and 20 years of a day laborer's wage. Carrying on, he says, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what, every, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In, his, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So in this section of the Bible, Jesus is training his disciples. And throughout chapter 18, Jesus is using examples of how his disciples should behave. And Jesus is great, dropping some great illustrations on them, helping them live well, teaching them how to interact with each other. And then we get to this question from Peter. I love Peter. And sometimes I, I love him because I feel like I'm kind of like him in some ways. I, he says, Lord, how often should I forgive? He's saying, like, like, what's the limit? And I love this because this makes sense to me. My personality appreciates and oper operates well within this idea of rules and specificity. Peter highlights my desire for consistency. I can see and understand his logic. I feel like, uh, you know, I read this, I think, great question, Peter. Like, this is what I need to know. Now, as much as I love Peter in this story, uh, these verses also make me love Jesus more, too, because Jesus gets Peter. And Jesus, in his deep understanding of Peter, he does this amazing thing. Jesus tells this, this parable. And it's important for me to remember that this parable is not about math. It's not the question of seven times or 77 times. But the number is curious, though, right? Like, why, why such specificity with this? In fact, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, he talks about how this number 77 appears in one other place in the Bible. It's found in Genesis 4, and in Genesis 4, we read the story about two brothers, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel, there's a lot of jealousy that exists between the two of them. And Cain is so jealous, he ends up killing his brother Abel. Now, the 77 times revenge is found in a poem by Lamech, where Lamech is talking to his wives. Now, now Lamech is the great, great, great grandson of Cain. And he says in Genesis 4, 24, he says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. It's a story of how you wrong me, I'll wrong you to an even greater degree. That's the standard for our sinful self. And Jesus essentially flips the script of these 77 times when he tells us the new standard for way of being. Jesus does this stuff sometimes. For example, in Matthew 5:38, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jesus is always doing this, where he's taking this sinful self and he's saying, this is what you have heard, but here's what I want you to do. And so with this situation with Peter, Jesus may be giving a nod to Lamech. You have heard about avenging 77 times. 
Well, instead of avenging, instead of inflicting harm, I say forgive 77 times. Jesus gives Peter what helps us all in moments like this. He gives Peter a story, a way to connect, an illustration to help him better understand. This story helps Peter break the cycle of legalistic tally mark boards and bean counting. It flips the script of what we see in Genesis. So what do we do? How do we live in this world where we know that we will hurt each other, we know we'll cause each other pain, a world where conflict, loose ends don't always get tied up, where the person on the other end of our conflict isn't always sorry, or the conflict stays unresolved? Well, Jesus wants us to live a different way. He wants us to quit being like Lamech, the revengeful self. Jesus wants us to quit living under the curse of sin because he knows that withholding forgiveness is absolutely destructive. Johns Hopkins, Johns Hopkins Medical Center shares this information from an article titled, Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. People who hang on to grudges are more likely to experience severe depression and post-traumatic stress disorder as well as other health conditions. Your health literally depends on it. But before we go any further, let's be very clear on what forgiveness is not, right? Forgiveness is not ignoring or allowing bad behavior to happen to you, to be done to you. Forgiveness does not eliminate the importance for justice. Forgiveness does not mean you stay or continue to be in a relationship with a toxic person. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting necessary boundaries for your safety and your security. That is not forgiveness. When we consider the truth of what forgiveness means, though, in the Jesus-defined sense, we must recognize that our willingness to forgive or not forgive is a big deal to Jesus. But we're in luck. We can be quitters. In 2023, Jesus demonstrates in this parable and throughout the Bible a different way of being, new habits that get us toward forgiveness. James Clear, he's the author of the book Atomic Habits. It's a great book if you haven't read it. He writes this, you don't eliminate a bad habit, you replace it. All of the habits that you have right now, good or bad, are in your life for a reason. In some way, these behaviors provide a benefit to you, even if they are bad for you in other ways. These benefits or reasons extend to smaller bad habits as well. Bad habits provide some type of benefit in your life. It's very difficult to simply eliminate them. That's why simplistic advice like just stop doing it rarely works. Instead, you need to replace a bad habit with a new habit that provides a similar benefit. So if we take James Clear at his words and if we listen to Jesus, we have some clear direction for how we replace a bad habit of unforgiveness with a good habit. Well, if we quit withholding forgiveness, what good habit can we pick up instead? Well, the easy answer is we pick up the habit of forgiveness. And I love that. That's a, you'd, get, you know, you'd get a straight A on that answer. But if James Clear is correct that simplistic ideas like just stop smoking or just stop buying those pints of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, Shannon, like those things don't work, right? But maybe we need a more specific habit to pick up. So let's dig into how that actually happens. How do we actually pick up the habit of forgiveness? Well, in this passage, I think we can see that we can build our forgiveness muscles through quick compassion. Write that down, quick compassion. If you're watching online, type it in the chat. Quick compassion. Verse 27 says, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. 
When we are in a position to give or withhold forgiveness, Jesus is showing us that quick compassion is the way to go. I mean, the other option is what we see demonstrated in verse 28 through 29. There's throat grabbing, there's yelling, there's a refusal to be patient, there's harsh punishment. And if I'm trying to to decide what kind of person I want to be, I'm not aiming for the harsh, unmerciful servant as my example of a stellar mentor or a life coach. As we walk toward picking up the forgiveness habit, we do so with quick compassion. And I want to be really clear, quick compassion is not letting someone back into your space. It's not even always reconciliation. It's not packs to be best friends again. Quick compassion can be doled out from a distance. It can and often does exist along with boundaries and adjustments. But for the sake of our heart posture, quick compassion is delivered in the same way the king gave it to the servant. It includes changing our heart toward the offender. It's the ability to see their humanity, to think charitably about a person or a situation, to cancel their debt and let them go. In the same way your Father in heaven pours this out on you. But you may be asking, like, how can I practically practice giving out quick compassion? Is your Peter self asking, how quick is quick? Well, that's a great question. So while I want to be careful about being too prescriptive because I know we have very nuanced stories and everything is very unique, I would say this. We believe that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Spirit's presence shows us and convicts us on how to act in a way that mirrors Jesus' good habits. When we cultivate a regular rhythm of listening to the Holy Spirit, like Lauren talked about last week, we invite him into the conversations about where we are struggling to be quick with compassion. And as we have those conversations, we can either respond by ignoring the prompts of the Holy Spirit, or we can respond with action. And I'm convinced we cannot and fully develop a habit of quick compassion without the power of the Holy Spirit. We just can't do it on our own. We're just not that lovely. And while some of us are better at compassion than others, we all need to pray that the Holy Spirit would allow us to see people the way that he sees them. We need that Holy Spirit eyesight to actually accurately see the humans around us and see them on the other ends of our conflicts as made in God's image of much value and worth. It can be practiced through deliberate actions like praying for the person, identifying the person's humanity or their brokenness. Sometimes this comes as we journal and write down the things about this person that demonstrate that they are God's creation. It could be looking for things that help you see that person in totality and not just in relationship to the one scenario that you are involved in conflict with. Forgiveness is practiced through quick compassion. It's also practiced by remembering and recalling the depths to which we have been forgiven. Remembering that God has forgiven me. Write that down, type that in the chat. Remembering that God has forgiven me. When the king finds out that his serv- how his servant treated a fellow servant, he has this to say in verse 33. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And doesn't that just hit you between the eyes? We practice the habit of forgiveness because we are in touch with our own sinful nature. We are in touch with the way that we hurt others, the ways that we act like jerks, the ways that we screw up and mess up all the time. 
And yet we, with all the sin and junk that we bring to the table, our Heavenly Father continues to show us forgiveness. And now, there may be consequences to our sin, there may be necessary justice that takes place, but what doesn't change is the full and absolute forgiveness from our Father in Heaven. And here's the thing, we can all stop forgiving, we can all stop doing all of this when we are so perfect that we never hurt anyone else, we never do anything that warrants the need for forgiveness, or you can stop doing it when your Father in Heaven stops forgiving you. Now, as hopeful as I am that I will never mess up again, or I'll never hurt your feelings, or I'll never say something mean, or I'll never lose my temper, I am 100% thankful that God's forgiveness won't dry up and it won't run out. It's remembering that we, because of our brokenness, already are and will be continually on the receiving end of forgiveness. And let me just be honest for a minute. Sometimes this raised in a church girl who raised in a church who by the grace of God made a lot of good decisions and was kept from a lot of bad decisions, not all bad decisions, but a lot of them. Sometimes I can get a big head about myself. Sometimes in my pride, I can rank my past as pretty good. And I can tend to lose my connection with my need for forgiveness. When I read parables, I often like to consider, like, who am I in the story? Well, in the parable of the lost son, I'm the older brother, working hard while the younger brother runs away and lives this wild life. But in this parable, I'm the mean servant, losing sight of my own debt and my own need for forgiveness. And that feels gross. For others, you may have a different story. You may be here today and you would say you have quite the story. That the fact that you're sitting in church today or you're watching online is nothing short of a full-on miracle from God Almighty himself. You are very connected to the depths of your sin and the depths of which you have been forgiven. Now the great news is that there's space for all of us in this story. Those of us with our straight-laced story and those with your wild and crazy stories, we are all here but by the grace and mercy of God who regularly pours out forgiveness on all our sins. So from pride and haughtiness to wild and destructive behavior and anything in between, anything that puts a wall between us and our Creator, we have been given an example of how to pick up this great habit in 2023. And here's the big idea that I want you to go home with today, that I want you to think about this week. The habit of forgiveness that shows up in quick compassion and remembering God's forgiveness toward us. But what changes when I quit withholding forgiveness? What difference does forgiveness make in my life today? Like, how will it make a difference this week? Well, apart from the scientifically proven benefits of forgiveness, Jesus is very clear that our ability or inability to forgive is the big deal. It's something he cares deeply about. Our ability to forgive is tied to how our Father in Heaven will treat us. Verse 35, this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There are salvific implications. If we are not forgiven, we are not eligible for the restored relationship with our Father in Heaven. We are not benefactors of the eternal life promised to all who repent and turn from their sins, of which unforgiveness is a sin, and follow Jesus. 
And when we truly grasp the grace and mercy given to us, we demonstrate this understanding by passing along grace and mercy to the people who wrong us. And sometimes we can forget the depths of forgiveness's role in our lives. But the good news of the gospel is that all of us are eligible for the gift of salvation. Now, not only is forgiveness tied to our salvation, it could also be tied to the salvation of the people around us. When we live this new way of being described by Jesus, this way of operating that shows quick compassion and remembering how we've been forgiven, we demonstrate to others what it looks like to be in relationship with our Father in heaven. One of our greatest evangelistic tools is living like Jesus to the people around us. Do you notice that? Like, you choose to not gossip at work, or you, like, remove yourself from a gossipy conversation, and, like, you get somebody coming to your office, hey, hey, I noticed that you didn't gossip. Like, tell me more about why you're not in the mix on that. Or you serve and volunteer and take care of people, and you're always giving, and you're so generous, and your neighbor's like, why do you do that? Like, that's weird. <laughs> your life should look different. And that sentence holds true when it comes to the topic of forgiveness, too. When people are on the receiving end of our quick compassion, they experience Jesus. When people watch us in awe as we forgive someone who has wronged us, we are a living example of our Father. Don't waste those moments. Be a quitter when it comes to withholding forgiveness, so that as Matthew 5.16 says, your light will shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I want to close today um, by telling a story about how withholding forgiveness shows up in my own life. Maybe consider this like my accountability element of how I'm going to be a quitter. But in general, I would say that forgiveness used to not be high on my radar. Like, I can be a uh, lean-into-conflict type of person, and some of you are smiling because you've been on the other ends of conflict with me, and you'll know that if we're going to fall out about something, I'm probably going to show up on your doorstep, and I'm going to be like, hey, can we talk about this? And we're going to talk it out until we get to the bottom of it. Because I don't do well with unresolved conflict. Like, I don't sleep well. I can't, like, concentrate if there's unresolved conflict. And so if, uh, if I have conflict, I would say that for the most part, conflict gets resolved pretty quickly in my life. Uh, and I don't want to say, like, my life is perfect when it comes to conflict. I'm just acknowledging that I, I didn't live with a whole lot of unforgiveness that reached the surface of my consciousness. But in 2021, I had a conflict with another individual. And while the details of the story are pretty long and complicated, the end result is that I was deeply and profoundly wounded. And what started to happen in this wounded state is that I would think about this conflict a lot. I would replay the events of the situation in my mind. I would craft snarky responses. I would craft diplomatic responses that would change the course of how things kind of went down. I would work through the, like, if only I had done this type statements. I would draft and then delete super long text messages. I would imagine what I would say if I encountered the individual in the grocery store or what I wouldn't say and how that, I would, like, that would be a big message if I walked past them. All of this coming from a deeply wounded place. And combine that with the inability to talk it out. I simply couldn't and cannot, to this day, fix the situation. And like I said, I'm a fixer. 
So there's this messy conflict in my life and I want to fix it, but because of various reasons, I can't fix it and I can't change it. And all along this journey and at different times when I was being more reflective rather than angry, I started to wonder like, why can't I just shake this? It continues to be a thought that crosses my mind and I'm sure it continues to be a thought that crosses Gino's mind and my friend's mind as I continue to talk about this conflict. And even after talking to a counselor, even after praying about it a lot, even after journaling about it, even after trying to forgive, this has been the toughest battle I have ever had to go through to my life, in my life so far for forgiveness. And I'm standing before you today not completely there. But this week, the Lord has been working on me. He is reminding me through the power of the Holy Spirit to be quick with compassion. Quick in this case, obviously, being a relative term. I'm reminded of all the ways that I have hurt other people. This week, I was reminded that Jesus takes this situation and my withholding of forgiveness as a very big deal. There's simply no way for me to get around verses 34 and 35. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It even showed up as a topic in the devotional this week. And like, isn't that just like the Holy Spirit? I was so annoyed. I mean, seriously, Matthew 5, 43 through 44 was the devotional verse on Thursday morning of this week. It says, you have heard that it was said, again, here we go, Jesus, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I felt assaulted by that today or this week. <laughs> then there's this part on the Bible app that asks you, how will you apply this verse today? Here's what it, there's a, there, I put a picture up there. Uh, this is what it looks like on the Bible app, and you can select these different options. It's kind of hard to see, but on the Bible, do any of you do this? Yes. Okay, so this was Thursday mornings, and it, it does, you know, where you read the verse, and somebody gives a devotional, and then it comes to this. How will you apply this verse today? And then it gives you three different options. It says, I will sacrificially serve someone who's wronged me. I will ask God to help me forgive the person who hurt, who's hurt me. I will ask God to bless someone who's caused me pain. And I thought, what? This isn't fair. Now, the Bible app does, if you can see at the bottom there, that says, add your own response. <laughs> and I thought, okay, option four, I will keep thinking on this for another year or so until I feel like I might be ready for one of the other options. But what I did is I actually selected option three. And this is what I did. I said, okay. I'm gonna like press that button, that option, but I said it out loud. I said, I will ask God to bless, and then I said the person's name who has caused me pain. And you know, I wish that I could say that the Holy Spirit came down on to the living room with me, that I felt a lifting of anger, and that they had this moment, and like lights and candles were going off, you know, those types of things. That did not happen. What actually happened is I started to add some details to the sentence. So I did this. I said, like, Lord, would you just bless this person with all green lights on their way to work today? And I don't know how to explain this, but I think I felt the Holy Spirit roll his eyes at me. <laughs> and my feelings were kind of hurt by that, but I felt like, okay, I'm a work in progress, and I agree, blessing the person with all green lights is sort of lame. 
So then I changed my prayer again. I got a do-over, and I said, you know what, Lord, I want to, like, bless this person with real and beautiful and meaningful blessings. So I'm changing my prayer. I'm still a work in progress, but I am changing my prayer about this person. Maybe you have a story like mine, a spot in your forgiveness record that just won't let go like the others. How can you apply this message today? Reflecting on these options. If you've come in today withholding forgiveness from someone, maybe you need to choose an option today. Putting someone's name in the space. Maybe you need to say out loud how you would bless someone who has hurt you. And green lights are great on your way to work, but how could you really bless them in a meaningful way? Do you need to quit withholding forgiveness today? Through quick compassion and remembering how God has forgiven you, we can leave unforgiveness in 2022. We can be quitters so that we can pick up a new way of being, one that's a better fit for your new self anyway. I want to encourage you to be a quitter today, throughout the week, I do also know that sometimes these uh, areas of our life where we have unforgiveness, these sometimes have deep roots. Like it's one thing if you've been withholding forgiveness from someone because you had an argument last night. It's a different thing if you've been withholding forgiveness for 20, 30 years. And so we just want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to minister to your hearts. Because we believe that we serve a God who does miracles and he can take care of the conflict that happened last night, but he can also bring healing to the wounds that happened 30 years ago. We just need to lay it at the feet of Jesus to ask for the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to have quick compassion, the ability to remember God's forgiveness 